Here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday, Takes on Takes edition of the show, the 69th episode of Takes on Takes. How are you on this nice morning? Feel good. Ready for the 69th edition of Takes on Takes. We got some good ones. Yeah. We, we weren't overwhelmed with takes. This week, which is nice, you know, because we like to have the banter, the back and forth. And sometimes we pull this list up and Joe's got 25 takes on this list. And I say, my God, we're never <laughs> going to be able to it's, we're going to have to turbo round it. Yeah, this is those moments where we have a, sh- a shorter list and we still go long because we know we have no. Time. don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> what is our, we are contractually obligated to do a, a podcast between 28 and 32 minutes. We never hit it. I don't hit it on lockdown bills. Nobody said anything to me yet, so we'll see. We're consistently giving an extra two podcasts a week in length because Sorry. we're incapable of finishing by 30 minutes. You know, that's okay. We have fun. Do you want the first one or not? Uh, no, wait, no, you got to get the second one. The second one's for you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is from David. Take from David. Given the choice between taking Chase Young and Andrew Thomas, Dave Gettleman, who has never taken an edge player in the first round, will take Andrew Thomas because hog mollies. <laughs> That's interesting because everyone talks about Dave Gettleman and some of his tendencies. So while he may have never taken an edge rusher in the first round, he has taken two running backs. He has taken a linebacker, Shaq Thompson. He's taken a wide receiver, Calvin Benjamin. You know, so it's it's hard to understand exactly what he likes. We just know that he doesn't like to trade back. That's that's the thing we do know about Gettleman. Um, I'd have a hard time believing he would do that. I you know I, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that I put much stock into him not taking an edge player in the first round. I think there's a clear talent discrepancy between Andrew Thomas and Chase Young, um, and I think there's a the need is probably greater at edge rusher than offensive tackle for the Giants. So I'm going to give Gettleman the benefit of the doubt here and say that he would take the much better prospect. And I like Andrew Thomas, but he ain't Chase Young. Well, right. And I think that's when you think back to 2018 when he took Saquon, why did he take Saquon? Because he was the best player available. Yeah. So... If you apply that to this scenario, who is the best player available, even if it it might be a trend breaker for him? Although he took another running back in the first round, didn't he? Yeah, he took McCaffrey. Stewart? Uh, No, I think that was Marty Herney. Herney? Okay. Yeah, it was McCaffrey and Barkley he's taken. Top 10, both of them. Okay, well, I mean, they're turning out okay. Yeah, those are good players. So that's the trend is if it's a good player, he doesn't care about positional value. And I think this is kind of like the most extreme example of that too, right? Like the best, like the best prospect in the draft versus 
you know, one of the best offensive tackles. Right. So, all right. Bush has one here. And this Bush. is funny. It's, this He must have a wire tap to our phone conversations. He said the breakout seasons we're seeing from Tannehill, Devontae Parker, and to a lesser extent, Kenyon Drake alone should be enough for the Jets to fire Adam Gase. He had me until he threw Kenyon Drake in here. <laughs> Did you, see you that? know, Joe, yeah. uh, Kenyon Drake was traded at the trade deadline and uh, proceeded to put up 111 rushing yards, uh, which nearly equaled his season total um, on Thursday night, like four days after the trade deadline. Were you aware of that? Um, I was not specifically aware of that. I thought you were going to talk about the stat that he's not won a football game this year. So well, he hasn't he hasn't won a football game, and he's also, despite having 111 rushing yards on 15 carries in his first game in Arizona, he's averaging three tenths of a yard less yards per touch in Arizona than he averaged in Miami. Yeah, so let, I mean, he said to a lesser extent, Kenyon Drake, but I think well, there's there's I, something I'm to just, be said here for Tannehill and Parker. I am debunking the myth that the Dolphins lost in trading Kenyon Drake. But let's oh, get back to the task. Yeah, they didn't lose here. anything. You're not going to pay him, and you got a draft pick. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, interesting stat, Joe. He's leading the league right now in passer rating. He would be the first quarterback in, in the NFL to lead the league in passer rating in his first year on a team since Earl Morrill did it for the 1972 Miami Dolphins. <laughs> All right. That's interesting. Fun, fun statistic, right? Devontae Parker uh, was on pace for an 1,100-yard, eight-touchdown season. He suffered a concussion against the Jets, uh, laid an egg for my fantasy team, of course. Not that it matters when we're talking about player health. It's Player health is much more important. Uh, don't really know what Parker's availability is going to be, but Bush is absolutely right. Parker has played by far the best football of his career uh, with Adam Gase gone. And then you think about players like Billy Turner, who Adam Gase cut in 2016, three games into the season, who has since gone on to play in Denver and signed a big free agent contract in Green Bay and has started every every game at right guard for the Green Bay Packers. And Jordan Phillips, who Adam Gase cut because he couldn't get along with. And Jordan Phillips goes to Buffalo and has really strong stretches of play and is playing some of the best football of his career this year. Uh, as a member of the Buffalo Bills, and Jarvis Landry, who Adam Gase had traded to the Cleveland Browns because he couldn't get along with, and Jarvis Landry's playing the best football, statistically speaking, of his career. The list goes on and 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 on. Damian Williams, running back from the Miami Dolphins, who went to Kansas City and put up big numbers at the end of 2018 as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, you think about all these players, and I think the most revealing thing is that, yes, bad coaching has been the number one problem for the Miami Dolphins in this big stretch of mediocrity when they hired Joe Philbin. And then they fired Joe Philbin, and a team that put like 30 points on the board in their first four games puts up 80 points in their next two games with Dan Campbell as the head coach. And then they they go through, finish the rest of the season, they hire Adam Gates, they have a uh, statistically speaking, an anomaly of a 10 and six season, because statistically they weren't very good in a lot of different places. And then they go, uh, six and 10 and seven and nine. 
And it's the, the inability from a coaching staff perspective to make the most of a lot of talent that's been available at their disposal that then goes elsewhere and, and continues to go on and have good careers. Uh, the Jets, I think, would be extremely foolish to buy in to Adam Gase, but it sounds like that's the way that we're going as far as uh, Chris Johnson, who's the acting owner there, while Woody Johnson is off doing some uh, political ventures. I believe he's the ambassador to Ireland or something like that. Yeah, something weird. Um, th- he's already come out and said that Gase, Gase will be back next year. And good luck, because I think all the writings on the wall, when you look at all the players that have had success, once Adam Gase leaves or they leave Adam Gase, it's pretty eye-opening. A fun layer to this conversation, which I am not prepared to discuss, is maybe the other side of it where you look at players that didn't, like like Jets players that are regressing under Gase. Sam Darnold? Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think I think there might be a longer list of guys too. I mean, that are just not having the best years of their career because there's something to be said for creating the opportunity, the environment for guys to be the best version of themselves. And I think Adam Gase clearly fails there. Jamison Crowder's having a great year though, averaging nine yards a catch in the Jarvis Landry role. Jameis, yeah. Well, listen, Jamison Crowder just being healthy, and he's always been productive when he's been able to be on the field. So. That's a perfect role for him. Okay. The sports nut. Yes, sir. Oh, good. You get a, a Panthers take here. You get Gettleman and Panthers takes to start the show. <laughs> it's my life. The Panthers have the worst O-line D-line combination in the NFL. I mean, so we I think we have to acknowledge that this the caveat here is there's been a lot of injuries. You know, so this isn't this isn't their preferred offensive line or defensive line that they're you know, trotting out there right now. And the other thing I'll say before I really get into the weeds here is that I think it's important to, to talk about tiers, right? Like you could take the worst five O lines or D lines in the league and you can split hairs over who, who the second worst and the fourth worst is. I think it's just important to say they're in the tier of among the worst. And I think the offensive line, I'm with you. And it's kind of disappointing because I like some of these pieces. Like you would think this right side of the offensive line from Matt Paradis at center, Trey Turner at guard, right guard, and Taylor Moton was a nice little thing they had going there. Daryl Williams has not really played well in his return year from injury at left guard, and he's bounced around positions quite a bit. And then at left tackle, it's been a revolving door like it has been for the last eight years in Carolina. And they've had, you know, Greg Little there. They've had Daryl Williams there. They've had Dennis Daly there. So – um, yeah, this offensive line did not come together like um, they hoped it would. And then, you know, the defensive line without Kawan Short uh, is a is a big loss. Without Don Terry Poe, and, you know, now all of a sudden you're down to your your next two defensive tackles. And thank God they signed Gerald McCoy. But it's you know it's like Vernon Butler and Kyle Love in there. And you know, hey, Mar- Vernon Butler's having a nice year. He man. is for the first time in his career with the contract uh, extension on the line. He's having a good year. And then Mario Addison, who I think has been pretty consistent player for a while so i don't know i mean they might be among the worst i i I think there's got to be worse situations than that i mean look at that offensive line in cleveland if you want to talk about maybe a worse one um defensive line cincinnati man yeah cincinnati's no yeah you're exactly right cincinnati is the worst offensive line in football and their defensive line's not and that's hard for me because I, you, th- this defensive line of Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, Andrew Billings, and Sam Hubbard's like, I, I wrote about the Bengals 
over the last two days. And I think they have enough defensive talent for them not to be the worst defense in the league. But here we are. Uh, so, yeah, they're not the worst offensive line. And with the injuries, they might be among the worst defensive lines. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's – I think there's been worse situations than those. All right, uh, Brad W. says, Kenny Willickis, Michigan State edge rusher, is just a more vanilla version of Shalit Calhoun. <laughs> Somebody else who's had their uh, wiretap on our phone conversation. So. Yeah, well, we've been talking. We've been talking about players uh, be, after Tannehill or after Gase being better, and then we were, we've been talking a lot about Willikis. So yeah, this is weird. Um, jeez, I can see where he's going with this, as far as a player that. Has some nice quickness to his game, but I don't think as far as being a point of attack defender is super stout. Um, as far as being able to drop anchor, reset the line of scrimmage, and hold ground. Uh, a guy that really doesn't illustrate a lot of exciting tendencies in his pass rush plan. And that was, Joe, you you talked about, he just wants to long arm yeah. you every rep on the outside. Yeah. And if he doesn't get it... <laughs> You better hope he's not getting touched because that's the only way he's going to get fresher otherwise. But then like he has so much production with first step quickness. I think he's, I think he's a little bit more dynamic than Shelly Calhoun. But as far as like the nuances of their games, I understand where you're going with this, Brad. Uh, Hator take from Hator. Which of the following bets would you take? Five and a half wide receivers going in the 2021st round, five and a half quarterbacks going in the 2021st round, both or neither. All right, so let's work through it. I don't think there's a chance that we hit the over on five and a half quarterbacks. No, no, especially so, with like we're we're talking Jordan Love potentially going grad transfer route, and Jake Fromm should definitely not come out, and I don't think Jalen Hurts is a first round player, so. I don't think the numbers are there for, for six, let alone five yeah. or five, let alone six. So, so that puts B and D C. out. Cause is it C? Okay. It's yeah. kind of, okay. Yeah. So those are gone. Cause both are not happening because I don't think we get to anywhere near six quarterbacks. So do I think there could be six first round round receivers okay. uh, before, before we even talk about the players, I think we have to recognize that the NFL has been a little bit hesitant to taking receivers in the first round. There's been a lot of production on day two receivers. And so that trend is something that's going to be in my mind. All right. Now, when we get into the players that could change the conversation because we've got Jerry Judy, CD lamb, Henry Ruggs. I think those are three absolutes. T Higgins, LaVisca Chanel. Um, that's Hamler, five. Hamler, Hamler has a chance because of his speed. chance because of his speed. I've seen some Devonta Smith first round talk. Yeah. So do we have, we had like five that we felt That's, really good about mm-hmm. and then we'd need one more. Yeah. And we're at eight. We just, we've named eight total names. Donovan people's Jones is a, is a name that I keep seeing in, you know, in Late mock draft early too. Yeah, I yeah. do. I see that. I, I personally don't see that, but I see that when I read mock drafts, um, you think so, Kyle? What do, you, what do you think here, man? I think it's going to be close on that one. No, I think that's too many. 
So you're on the you're on the neither. I would probably take neither, but if you had to pick, yeah, wide receivers is a much more compelling argument, and I think the the, you at least have an outside chance at that one. Yeah, especially because you feel pretty certain about five of them. So, okay, uh, that was a fun one. Thank you, Cameron. Uh, No, that was Hator. Oh, Hator, Cameron's the next one, and give it to me. Yeah. Okay. The college oh, football. God, we're play- gonna lose twenty minutes on this topic. No, nah, we were. It's just a big fat no. But uh, the college football <laughs> playoffs fell into place nicely this year. But here's my ideal plan for an eight-team playoff: one, automatic bids for Power Five conference championships; two, automatic bid for a t- the top-ranked Group of Five team; three, committee selects two wild cards and seeds all eight teams. That, this is a no-brainer. Yes. What? Yes. No. What is your objection to this? Adding more teams to the playoff? Yes. They don't deserve to be there. Somebody put this. There there was a graphic that was on the timeline this morning that showed an 18 playoff and you get Memphis, Georgia and Baylor and Memphis, Georgia, Baylor and Oregon Oregon added to this mix. Yes. No. No. It's a bunch of two lost teams. We got the best four. We get it every year. Here's the deal. What is what makes the world go round for the NCAA? I don't care about their interests. What makes the money? Money makes the world go round right. for everything. Right. And guess what? The NCAA is inevitably going to make all of their decisions based around money. And you mean to tell me an extra round of the college football playoff spaced out the way that it is, you could take two weeks, play the first round, another two weeks, and play the two weeks after the the conference championships, play the first round. Wait two weeks, play the second round exactly when it's played now. And then take your week off and then play the championship game. So the question is, predictively, sure, can you? We can see the NCAA of AA doing this, but should they? You never know. Remember how pissed off everybody was the first year they had the playoff, and Ohio State made it with their third string quarterback, and then Cardell Jones led them to the championship. You never know. Now, I think, I think the group of five has a legit gripe here, because like. App State was 12 and 1. Memphis finished what? 12 and 1? Yeah. They're no higher than 17th. It's like it as as things stand right now like UCF in years past. They're they're saying, "Listen, we went undefeated. We played every team that that we could get on our schedule. We went undefeated and then we beat Auburn in a bowl game." And the following year, like we couldn't even buy a, an opportunity to sniff getting into the playoff conversation. What do we have to do? I, I'd be more apt to go to six teams and the first two seeds get a bye. But I have no interest in seeing Memphis play LSU. None. I, I have no interest in seeing Ohio State play um, Baylor. Well... Is it just an interest thing for you, or do you have any justification for it? I don't think those teams deserve to be in the have an opportunity to play for the national championship. 
Georgia does not deserve an opportunity to play for the national championship. We have playoff games all year long. All year long. Georgia played LSU. That was a playoff game. Georgia lost. They did not advance. Baylor played Oklahoma for a chance to go to for, in a playoff game. Baylor lost. They did not advance. Okay, let me ask you this. 2018-19 college football playoff, what was your preferred group of four? To Last make year? Yes. I don't. I mean, I don't remember. Uh, it was well, who was in there? Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, and uh, who? Some other team, Oklahoma. Yes, that was probably the. the I, yeah, I wanted that that group. Notre Dame was undefeated, right? Right. The big debate was whether or not um, Georgia should have got in after losing the way that they lost Alabama in the SEC championship game over Notre Dame. So in Georgia, that was the only loss Georgia had, right? Uh, I think so. They had their playoff game. They had their their playoff game was against Alabama. Okay, and that's what I was hoping you were going to make that connection because if you're going to have that stance now, you needed to have that stance back then. Yeah, and you know I'm I'm a SEC homer. (laughs) Okay, but we're going to agree to disagree there because I I think I think that's a home run idea. Give me the four teams. All right, who, I don't even remember. This one's for me, right? Uh, yes. Have you done work on Jeff Gladney? Because I cannot intelligently answer this. I've done enough work on Jeff Gladney to know that this com- comparison is very aggressive. All right, so let's just work through I, it. I know. I know. Jonah Tolls is all about him, and so God what- actually got shouted up by like the. T- the TCU football program with his quotes. So so Holden says a good comp for Jeff Gladney, who's a cornerback from TCU, is Jair Alexander, and he will have the same type of impact as a rookie. Jair was really good. And Jeff, like, Jeff's kind of cut from the same cloth. But I just think you're getting really ambitious anytime you want to project somebody into what Jair's been able to do so far in his pro career. And Jair was tied for my CB1 that year. Jeff will not be inside my top four or five corners in this year's class. Yeah, I'm anxious to watch him. I mean, Jonah went guns blazing on him. Was it on his Friday article? Yeah. So, takes. We'll see. I, I Jonah has some really good defensive back takes. He also has some that him and I have not seen eye to eye on. So I'm anxious to see where yeah. him and I fall on this one. Okay, so was that for you? Yeah, you, yeah, you can have the next one, though. Because I, I, okay. I want to hear what you yeah, have to say I, on this one. This is, I'm, I'm a little sad that Vontel gave us this this week. Why are you sad? He acknowledge, he, no, he acknowledges that it's not a fun take this week. You know, like Vontel has given fun. us some. Vontel's given us some of the most thought provoking takes. So Vontel, I'm giving you the gauntlet <laughs> challenge right now. Next week, I need the most thought provoking take we've ever had on the show. Uh, I like this one though. I do. Um, All right, let me hear. Not really a fun take this week. I disagree, but I just want to know what are the chances of both Creed Humphrey, he's a center from Oklahoma, and Tyler Biata's center from Wisconsin falling to the second round. Well, let's. Uh, can Nick Harris pass both of them? <laughs> you don't think so? <sighs> I get. I kind of get the vibe that the league doesn't like Tyler as much as we do. Idiots. Don't you get the? Don't you get that feeling though? 
Yeah, I do, especially because he didn't come out last year. Um, but I mean, I guess that's somewhat expected. But I, I don't know how you how you don't watch his tape and be really he's excited. A, he's a total war daddy. Just punches you in the mouth. He's got mobility. I think he checks a lot of boxes. Creed's a little bit more stereotypical center, where I think Tyler's got a little bit more size to him, right? Tyler, Tyler could you could play Tyler at guard and feel really good about it. I don't know if I'm playing Creed at guard. Uh, will both of them fall to the second round? Well, this gets into some positional value questions about interior offensive linemen, but I think you see enough of these guys go that that it's a realistic opportunity to say we'll get one or two first round into your offensive line. So the only way that you're going to have Creed and Tyler fall out is if somebody jumps them, in my opinion. I think Nick Harris, the center from Washington, has the best chance, but I don't think he's as physically gifted as as either one of these guys. I'm excited for this next one I'm doing. I've been doing research the entire time. God. All right. In honor of this is from Cameron Spencer. Cam again. Yeah. Double dip this week. In honor of the 69th edition of Takes on Takes, the best NFL player to ever wear number 69 was Jared Allen. The best current NFL player wearing number 69 is David Bakhtiari. I think this is a, a slam dunk take. And I've went through this list a couple of different times. I have the from Pro Football Hall of Fame dot com uh, Hall of Famers by jersey numbers. Oh Lord! So there Doing are th- all out. there there are three numbers that in my very quick look through this probably three times now that there's never been a Hall of Famer that wore that number. The first one is forty three. Makes so, sense. It's a terrible number. The second one is 69. There's never been a Hall of Famer. That's impossible. It's never happened. I'm sorry. It's not happened. That's and a conspiracy. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry, Jared. I know you're like in the top five or something for sacks or 10. Can't get in. You wore the wrong number. And the other one, this one came as a surprise for me. Number 90. There's never been a number 90. No way. <laughs> it's profootballhalloffame.com. I don't know what to tell you. 90? 90. Who who's name somebody off the top of your head that's worn number ninety? Did Peppers wear ninety? I believe he did. So he's he's getting in. He'll be the first ninety. Yeah, he wore ninety. I know he he doesn't have a Hall of Fame resume, but didn't Javon Curse wear ninety? I think so. The freak. It might have been ninety-one. Yeah. Uh, I'm no, looking up. Javon I think he was Kirsten. ninety. I think he was ninety. Yeah, you're right. He's ninety. Yeah. Yeah, and he was he was amazing when he first you're in came in. Four, five, eight. Jesus, man. That would be a fun thing to do over the what? summertime. Go back and look at like some uh, some guys before our time in the industry, like their combine numbers and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be. It would absolutely be. I, that would be fun. I, okay, I've went through this list about 54 times. 43, 69, and 90 are absent. There's there's we've had we've had a double zero and we've had a zero. That makes no sense. Jim Otto is double zero and somebody with the last name Henry, what's this guy's name? Wilbur Henry. Wilbur Fake Pete name. Henry. Fake name. He played 8 seasons. 
what, in the 20s? Oh, my God. You should see this guy. You, I mean, wow. I don't think he's ever exercised. Oh, so, so he's probably a lock for the NFL 100 based on the, the committee that these clowns put <laughs> he's, together. He's, he's 5'11", 245. Oh, Jeez, boy. What is this guy doing? He was the largest player of his time. Played in 1922. He was a punter. Yeah, he was in the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> this, guy, this guy sets the marks for the longest punt in the NFL, 94 yards. The longest dropkick field goal, 50 yards. So there you go. You lived from 1897 to 1952. I can't wait for him to be on the NFL 100 <laughs> best offensive tackles. <laughs> Wilbur Henry. We're going to leave Anthony Munoz off, but we're going to have Wilbur frickin Henry on. there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What did you just say? Anthony Munoz wasn't on that? No, they, they haven't released offensive tackles oh. yet. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just making observations. The, the list is a joke. The list is a, a big freaking circle jerk to like the 1970s and 60s. That's all the list is. What is there's I saw like some- three, there's, there's been like three players that have played in the 2010s <laughs> on the entire list. Somebody had said the only thing worse than a recency bias is a nostalgia bias. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's, I've been looking at this. I lost interest right away whenever I saw some of like the discrepancies with uh, numbers. It was like, we're going to give you like 11 running backs or 13 running backs, but like yeah. seven defensive ends and defensive tackles. I'm yeah. like, in what planet does that make sense? And then I yeah. saw some of the names and some of the omissions. I'm like, I'm not even going to give this a second of my time. Yeah, It's like Dar- Darrell Revis didn't make the list. Um, <laughs> Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt didn't make the list. Like, I don't know how you leave those guys off. All right. So congratulations. Aaron and Allen is the best ever to wear 69. Bakhtiar is the best current player. And uh, Julius Peppers, uh, 43 might be a while on that one. Because we have 60, Jared Allen's Hall of Fame player, right? Right. And if he gets inducted, he will officially be the best to ever wear 69 because he'll be the only player in the Hall of Fame to wear number 69. So we've got a course forward for 69. Jesus. We've got a course for 90. I get, and I get, I get what you're laughing at. I'm, I'm an idiot. We're and off for, the rails now. 43. Who's going to be the guy? Who is going to break? It's going to be Darren some. Mo- oh, Jesus. All right. Let's move on. We spent a lot of time there. Uh, yeah, we lost, we lost our 32 minute. We did got, we really? We have two no, left. We got two left and we have a minute and 35 seconds for 32 minutes. So we're, we're over. All right. It's just done. Christian says running backs don't matter until Dallas has their worst season in years, trying to get involved through the air more relying less on Zeke, not saying running, running back is more running is more than, excuse me, not saying running is more important than passing. Obviously what I am saying is sometimes a running back can matter to a team. Of course they can. Uh, I don't think Dallas's problems this year are centered around their run pass splits. Uh, I, <laughs> I feel like Dallas is not good defensively right now. They had their first turnover in four games, and it was a gift from Mitchell Trubisky. Uh ball that I, I still don't know what Mitch was looking at when he threw it. Um, and offensively, they're – a lot of self-inflicted wounds, a lot of drops, a lot of 
inconsistency with the play calling. You know, Dak's been killer this year with play action. I feel like they don't don't consistently implement the play action the way that they need to. And, and there's a lot of research that indicates that you don't even have to run the ball well to be to benefit from play action passing. Um, I don't I'd be interested in what you feel this year, Joe, but I, I mean, I don't even think Zeke's looked as good as he has in years past. Uh, I thought I've, I've seen this before and I like it. It's, it's a saying that running backs don't matter until they do. Right. So sure. You, I mean, we just watched Boston Scott look really good last night for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so I think, I think both things can be true. You can find, they're not difficult to find running backs that can help you. Um, and, but they can be important to your offense. They can be important to your offense and it can merit a, a higher investment based on the infrastructure of your team. And they can have great value. I, I was looking over, Actually, this past week, I was looking over like the uh, the rushing leaders in the NFL this year, and I think the f- top seven were all first or second round picks. So, I mean, like as much as you can find the the value and and contributors later in the draft, and they're not difficult to find. When you look at the NFL rushing leaders, which I have now pulled up, Nick Chubb, second round pick, Derrick Henry, second round pick, Christian McCaffrey, top 10, Dalvin Cook, second round pick, Zeke Elliott, top 10 pick, Jake, Josh Jacobs, first round pick, Chris Carson, there's your seventh rounder. And then you have Leonard Fournette, first round pick, Lamar Jackson, first round pick. You know what I mean? So like, okay, I hear you, but the most productive running runners in the league are premium picks, first and second rounders, right? And, and, and that goes, and that's a smaller sample size. That's the fewest amount you have, right? So like you have this long list of guys that were third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. You only have so many that were first or second round picks. And that's where the most productive running backs are. All right. I guess that was me taking over your take there. That's fine. I don't hate it. Last one from. Who is this? What does this say? Malathicon. Melanthicon? Melanthicon? I'm sitting here listening to you guys and want to know out of New England with Brady, LA with Rivers, he said San Diego. Yes, he did. (laughs) New Orleans with Breeze and Green Bay with Rodgers. Who drafts a quarterback first to replace their cornerstone quarterback first and the highest in the draft? I think it's Chargers, right? They're going to oh, be the yeah. highest picking team and, and Rivers, man. Herbert, talked, Herbert, Herbert. Yeah, I mean, you can see. I mean, really, you could see that, right? I mean, keeping him on the West Coast, and I, I like his fit with Anthony Lynn over there. So, I, I think it's, and I think that there's a good. I mean, Bray, Rogers isn't anywhere near done, right? I hope not. And I think Breeze might still be able to play a little bit. And New England's just picking so far down the order. So, yeah, give me Chargers and Rivers. Well, that is going to do it for us today here on the show. We're only over by three minutes. I'm proud of that fact. Mock draft the rest of the week, though. Or yeah, Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Um, but at least we're doing halves, so each one will probably be 42 minutes. that's what you guys have to look forward to we'll do one through 16 tomorrow and 17 through 32 on thursday come back and see us thanks as always for listening to draft dudes podcast i'm kyle krabs signing off with joe marino